Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I am Andrew, an Autistic Certified Financial Planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lam. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. I'm Eileen Lam. And in this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. Today, our guest is Katie Santoro. Katie Santoro graduated from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. After graduation, she struggled to find her niche in the working world. She was diagnosed with autism at 24. Her diagnosis put her on a path to being an autism advocate. She is passionate about DEI initiatives and is certified DEI through the University of South Florida. Katie was an arts advocate long before her autism ad- advocacy days. She is a Miami Herald Silver Knight Award winner in the drama category. In addition to her side business, she loves to volunteer. She is president of the Unicorn Children's Foundation Junior Board, as well as being president for UCF. She is a contributing member member for the ELS for Autism and Center for Autism at University of Miami. Her life goal is to travel all seven continents while her current count sits at five. During her travels at home and abroad, she likes to read, practice yoga, and hike. That's right, Andrew. All seven continents by the time I'm 30. And to clarify what side business I do, I'm very active in dog sitting. I had four chihuahuas at my place like last week, so keep them busy. Hey, Katie, thanks for coming on our podcast today. We always start by asking our guests how they like to identify as part of, you know, autism. So I'm talking about, do you say I have autism or I'm autistic, I'm on the spectrum, or do you have no preference? I like to use autistic because I don't feel that autism should have any kind of stigma. And at the end of the day, autism is just like a neurotype, like a how your brain is so autistic works just fine it's not like uh you know person with autism I don't really think that that goes that well because you know that person uh you know it's just part of who you are so I like to say autistic and Katie could you tell us more about your autism diagnosis uh you mentioned uh, you know when you were diagnosed but what was the process like and what led you to it Um, Yeah, I think that really, um, you know, autism can affect different areas, such as like social communication, it can affect employment, it can affect um, school and learning, you know, executive functioning. If you have uh, trouble there, then that can affect like your schooling and how you learn. And so for me, that definitely was the case, like school. um, I mean, there were years where like I was a straight A student and I did really well, but towards the Um, my senior year of college it just was like increasingly difficult I really wasn't even sure if I was going to graduate but I did go back and graduate so I have my degree and also um, I just struggled you know finding um, acceptance in the employment world a lot of um, I think that you know when people hear me speak they don't think that I'm autistic but they haven't had enough interaction with me like which a lot of my coworkers who see me every day, I I have found um, that even in my current job, uh, there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings with coworkers. So I think that maybe the misunderstandings and communication and stuff 
with my um, past jobs and the coworkers, not knowing that I was autistic caused me to get fired from those jobs because I didn't have any protective way to say, hey, I have a disability. So they just fill in the blanks themselves. Like, oh, she's super quirky or whatever. We just cannot have this in the workplace. And I don't even know what, I can't even tell you what exactly might have been the problems um, as far as the communication with coworkers and stuff. But um, yeah, I know that I struggle. I lost like a lot of jobs. But today I work at Cardinal Health um, in the office. And um, yeah, I, I love my company because they, they really value inclusion. And uh, they, we have people of all different races, ethnicities, and uh, different levels of, of ability at all levels of our company. So. And what led you to, to get the, the diagnosis, uh, formal assessment? Um, like, what did you seek it out or? Well, what happened was it was like, I kind of had a quarter, uh, quarter life crisis. I don't know. Like it was, you know, I, I just kind of knew when I was graduating college, I had this innate knowing, like, how am I gonna, um, just do adult things like live independently, the most basic things live independently and, um, you know, have a job. Uh, I felt like everybody had this clear directive of where they were going. They're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or speech pathologist, whatever it might be. And I just kind of felt what, I don't really know what I am going to do. Um, and so, yeah, really the, it was the employment and the school piece. And um, I had been seeing a therapist who knew different things about me, such as like my lack of eye contact and things like that. And kind of, I sent her an email when I started experiencing struggles at work and school and different areas that my autism was affecting, you know, my day to day. And she told me that I knew for like uh, two years that I felt that you've kind of had like Asperger's, which I personally don't like that term because of the historical implications that go with it. But at the time, that's what she said, that she thought I had Asperger's for a while, but she felt it was no use in telling me because I was functioning just fine. And fun, like just a note that I think that all clinicians out there should always just, if you're thinking that your client might have a certain diagnosis, it's always best to like discuss your theories with them because I think your client is the best source of knowledge. I mean, you can make your own observations, but um you know, I, I probably would have told her, had we discussed it, I would have found out earlier and would have agreed with her. But I think that there was a little like she was afraid to say anything. And so then once she said, she, she suggested that I found a resource through the University of Miami Center for Autism, they kind of help people get official diagnosis. She was not, my therapist was not the source of official diagnosis because she wasn't licensed. So then I had to go through University of Miami Center for Autism and go through the process of they give referrals. That's what they do is they give referrals to parents and resources on, you know, what you might need uh, to get an autism diagnosis and what resources you might need after that diagnosis. So the first clinician actually told me I couldn't have autism because I speak, but um, that I don't agree with that clinician. I think that's a bad clinician. And then the second clinician gave me my official diagnosis. So I really got the diagnosis through University of Miami Center for Autism through the referral process. And um, yeah, and the reasons why were, you know, I, I really was trying to figure out my place in the working world, like how um, to hold a job, because as you know, like, I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it's over 80% of people with autism are 
um, unemployed or if they are employed, they're this term called underemployed where they're employed under their skill set. Like maybe they have a master's degree, but they're not totally uh, utilizing it. And uh, Kelly, in your bio, you're talking about um, becoming a silver knight. Do you want to tell people uh, what it is and how that happened? Yeah. So for the silver knight award, I was in high school. And in high school, I was doing really well. People were like, well, why are you a late diagnosis? And I think that in college, you kind of lose a lot of the structure that you might have in high school. People say, oh, when you're in high school, you know, you're living at home, you have more support more structure and then in college you kind of have to do more time management more executive functioning is placed on you but in high school I did really well and I was in theater and I did a lot of volunteering so the silver night is for um, a volunteer project and so my volunteer project was going to speak to congress about arts funding and getting more funding for the local arts communities because I was involved in like Broward Center for the Performing Arts, Young at Art Children's Museum, and Florida Children's Theater. And um, the, when Congress are looking at the budgets, they often, the arts are the first thing that they usually cut. They don't think that they're as important as math and science, but um, the arts have lots of benefits, such as increased self-esteem, better, um, you know, I think that the arts helped me a lot and my speaking ability and be, just being outspoken. I think that without, without theater, and it helped me in my ability to make friends, I think I would have been diagnosed sooner because I would have been on a weekend instead of being at theater classes, I would have been home. Um, but so I obviously struggle to stay on topic and answer the questions, but basically the silver knight is given to the top 1% of um, high school seniors in my area for volunteer service. Like I spoke, on Capitol Hill and I went to the National Endowment for the Arts press conference. That was a private invite when I got there. And um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was there and um, some other celebrities um, like Alec Baldwin was there. And um, yeah, so it was a really good award and it was for, you know, trying to help the arts and stuff. My involvement there. Awesome. And so you like to also travel as well. Um, I think I know one of the seven comments you're probably missing, probably the really cold one. Uh, yeah, what are, what are the two? Um, yeah, so Antarctica, I haven't been there yet, but I would love to go kayak with people like, what are you going to do there? And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to kayak with the glaciers and see the penguins and probably whale watch it's going to be fun and also I haven't been to Australia so um that will be cool they have lots of kangaroos there and I like animals and like in Thailand when I went to Thailand I worked on an elephant speaking of animals I worked on an elephant rescue there it's called elephant nature park if you want to look it up on Facebook um very amazing uh, owner there doing lots of good work for the animals. And uh, let's see, in Africa, I've been to Morocco, all over Europe. And of course I live in North America. So that one wasn't too hard because I was born here. So I didn't have to work too hard for that one. <laughs> yeah, so two more to go by the time I'm 30. The goal is to go to all seven by 30. 
And uh, we want to, so, you know, with the pandemic, obviously travel has been affected a lot. Um, did you choose to get vaccinated? And if so, uh, why? Yeah, I forgot that I, I didn't mention South America. I went to Peru during the pandemic, actually, and I was there a month. And so um, I remember when all, all this vaccine stuff came about and uh, my, I, was, I was working um, an office job at the time, um, helping with um, data management. Like I was helping um, scan paper files to become digital to take all their files and make them digital. And um, so I listened to a lot of my coworkers were talking about it. I think some of them were nervous and actually, yeah, I think there were a lot of people who were like, oh, I don't wanna get it or anything. But then eventually like some of them got it. So some of my coworkers got it before me. They said it was fine, it was safe and effective. And I decided to get the vaccine because I wanted to travel. That was the whole reason, like you said, like um, travel had been affected, but so yeah, I had pushed off this Peru trip. You know, I, actually, I was scheduled to go to Peru, uh, and a week before my trip, they closed the border. So I, I, I'm just lucky that I didn't get stuck there. But um, yeah, they shut the border down. So then I had to delay it. So by the time you know the vaccine came around, I was already really ready to go. And they suggested that you know to travel, you might have to have the vaccine. And I think that some places you may not need it now. Um, but at the time, that's what we thought. So I got vaccinated because I wanted to, you know, go back to normal. And thankfully now, like my office, we're at, a, we're at a place where we don't need to wear masks. I don't know. I think that's pretty much the case everywhere. Um, unless, of course, you're high risk. Then there's some people, if they're immunocompromised, they, they might want to wear a mask still. But I don't know. And what do you guys... Do you guys think that the do you do you still have to wear a mask any places that you go or is that kind of not a requirement these days? Here in Texas, it's uh, mostly like a medical. Like I went to get my blood drawn yesterday at the lab, and it was mask mandatory. But like at the grocery store, even at school, it's not mandatory anymore uh, for my kids. Most really places, yeah. That's probably why it's good to get the vaccine because they say the vaccine will help protect you. So if you're not wearing masks, if other people are not wearing masks, then the vaccine is a good uh, good option. Yep. And, and lots of vaccines are already common for needing to travel to other countries anyway that we yeah, don't normally right. get here. So um, what, what made it easier for you to get the vaccine? Uh, and did anything make it more difficult? We could start with the easier. Um, I think uh, it was pretty simple. I just, I think if I recall, like I just made an appointment and went to like the CVS. So I guess the fact that CVS or Walgreens was offering it, you don't have to make a special doctor's appointment. It was accessible. Right. What, uh, what if anything made it more difficult or made you a little hesitant? Uh, I think that you know, it just makes it more difficult when you hear people saying bad things about the vaccine. You know, there was a lot of debate. People, you, you would hear on the news or on your social media feed everywhere, people would be like anti-vaccine or some people are saying the vaccine is good. So the constant back and forth made it kind of like, okay, 
uh, how do you decide like which side is best? Yeah, as the getting the vaccine changed your life at this point in the pandemic, you know, because you can maybe travel more now. Like, are you are you happy with your decision? Um, yeah, I was happy uh, with my decision. I mean, for example, um, Peru is not the only place I've went during COVID. I also went to Costa Rica. And, you know, um, for that, I went to Costa Rica for a yoga retreat. And everybody uh, that went to that retreat, the, the teacher required that everybody be vaccinated. So I would have missed out on the retreat had I not gotten a vaccine. So. I think travel has really uh, been a main factor in my decision to get mm -hmm. vaccinated. And, and what's the, uh, the next place that you're excited to travel to? Uh, Antarctica, but- um, How do you get there? Uh, it's very expensive. I won't share the cost because <laughs> it will very much surprise you, um, but you can go do your own research. Um, and uh, I'm gonna, fly to Ushiaia. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Argentina. It's the tip of Argentina and you get on a cruise and I'm probably going to go with Oceanwide or Silver Seas cruises and uh, you know. So um, yeah and then um, it's like a two-week cruise so and uh, my dog sitting is going to fund that trip. So that's exciting. Oh. I get to hang out with dogs and do what I love every day and uh, then go to Antarctica. And people ask me, well, like there's just ice there, right? I'm like, well, you know, when I come back, I'll let you know if it was a trip of a lifetime or you know, <laughs> if it was just boring ice. So That's awesome. Okay. We, I mean, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. It's super easy. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? What is your favorite food or drink? Um, well, I'll just give a shout out to my favorite restaurant. There's 10 locations in the U.S. and Canada. <laughs> it's at Planta. It's a new vegan uh, place. And um, yeah, I just went there last night for unlimited vegan sushi, and it was amazing. So Unlimited? Oh. Unlimited. I I went with I I don't eat too much, but I went with two people who love to eat, so I I I was I was very full <laughs> on my unlimited vegan sushi. So yeah, at Planta. So they just opened a location in Fort Lauderdale, many locations in Florida, but in New York City, in Toronto, all over. So well, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask anyway. If you could be any animal, fictional or real, what would you, what would you choose and why? Um, I guess a dog, right? Because like I'm a dog sitter, and dogs have a pretty good life, you know. Like um, they sleep in their owner's bed, and you know, play fetch all day. <laughs> so. What is uh, one of your special interests? Um, I would say I really like Taylor Swift. I dressed up for her like when I was a kid with the whole like cowboy boots and hat and guitar and everything. And I most recently went to a Taylor Swift dance party for the second time where Taylor Swift's not there, but the DJ just plays Taylor Swift dance music all night. Like it's, it's, it's 
four hours of only Taylor Swift music. And some people I went with were not diehard Taylor Swift fans. So they were like, this is too much Taylor. And I'm like, you cannot have too much Taylor. <laughs> so. What's your favorite artistic representation in the media, uh, fictional or not? As far as like, um, you know, TV series goes, I most recently watched As We See It. And I thought As We See It was, you know, great. Or we have Love on the Spectrum. And both of those are amazing shows and have great representation. So. Do you have a favorite uh, quote or saying? And if so, uh, who said it? Um, I think uh, that's a very tough one. So I feel a little unprepared, but... <laughs> I like to just have a positive outlook on life. So I think like just saying like the best is yet to come, like, you know, things are always on an upward, you know, trend, so. Um, let's hope the COVID numbers are. Anyway, okay, we're gonna go. <laughs> uh, so. Everything's on an upward trend, but COVID. No but COVID's COVID. on an upward okay. trend. Okay, because everyone's got the vaccine, but All the positive right? things on an upward trend, keep me <laughs> positive, but just low COVID. Because everyone got the vaccine. Be positive that there's going to be low COVID numbers. That's yes. great, Andrew. There we go. <laughs> so um, hope for a negative test, not a positive one. Bunch of mismatch. Anyway, um, <laughs> where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I run an autism advocacy Instagram. It's called autistic.thegreeklife. I called it that because... Uh, you know, I joined a sorority and I think that that's an interesting fact. Not everyone knows that someone with autism could be in a sorority. So yeah, so find me on Instagram at autistic.thegreeklife and uh, follow my journey there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and for speaking with us about traveling and vaccines. And we hope everyone has a great day. Bye. Bye-bye.